Welcome back to The Naked Connection, the show that helps driven men reach sexual mastery and build deep connections. It's Kirsten here, and I am so excited because I have something special for you. Today is our very first special guest on the show. It is the one, the only, Alicia Davon. Alicia has taught over 15,000 students to have fulfilling relationships and intimacy, and she holds a master's degree in integral psychology with a focus on women's romantic and sexual expression. So, you know, I figured who better to share what women really want than someone who has worked with thousands of women herself. In this episode, Alicia and I talk all about sex. We get into Tantra, we get into figuring out how to show up and hold a woman in your sex life, and also how to communicate about sex, and really specifically communicating about what you want without crushing your partner's feelings or ego in the bedroom, because I know that can be so hard to navigate getting what you want, asking for what you want, while still being sweet and respectful and loving with your partner. And look, I'm not trying to be spammy or something like that, but I am going to share that if you stick around to the end of the episode, you are going to thank yourself because Alicia shares a really incredible offering that she's gifting away. I'm like shocked that she's literally just giving this away. So if you want to be a part of that, she's only going to give it to a couple of people that listen to the the show today. Be sure to tune in for that and stick around. All right, this is about to be a really awesome moment in your day, so let's get after it. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to share this week's guest with you, Alicia Davon, and I know she's just a wealth of knowledge in the space of intimacy, relationships, sex, so I am so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Kirsten. I'm really happy to be with you today. Yeah. And I would love to just get right into it for everyone that's tuning in. I know that uh, you do so much work with couples, with individuals, and I would love to just hear what kind of misconceptions or maybe like myths that you hear people say that seem to be wrong that you've found in your work specifically when it comes to working with men in their sexuality and in their relationships. Oh, so many. There's so many flooding into my mind now, um, just as you've (laughs) said that. Myths and misconceptions. I mean, there are so many that relate to gender roles. There's so many that relate to um, kind of chemistry and connection in the beginning of a relationship or when you're first starting to date people. Um, There's so many about what creates chemistry and relationship. Um, So much about vulnerability in men and whether that's attractive or not, you know, so many things just flooded into my mind. Of course, we can talk about them all, but um, I think the thing that I'll start with is, and I, I recently did a TikTok series on this, which is like what women really want. And there's a lot out there about, you know, be this kind of man or that kind of man, or don't show your emotions or be really sensitive and don't be threatening at all. And don't express your attraction because that's offensive and all these things that 
leave men feeling confused and scared and kind of frozen in terms of how to relate to women sexually and romantically. And so one thing I will say um, is that in general, women really like strength in a man and boldness and confidence. Even more than that, though, we really like presence and attention. And when you combine the two of those, presence and attention and boldness and strength and confidence, it's a really great combination. Now, I'll be a little more specific now, and then I'll see what questions you have about this so far. Often it kind of seems like in a new dating situation or when you're first meeting someone, like you're supposed to be really careful and you're supposed to keep it sort of neutral and friendly. And women, honestly, the truth is we're so elemental and we're so tuned into our senses and in our bodies and we pay attention to how something feels much more than paying attention to like the words or whether something is logical or something. I mean, we're so intelligent as women. So of course we can relate on a intellectual, logical level very well. But when it comes to romance and sexuality, we like, we want to feel things and be related to bodily and sensually. I'm not talking non-consensual touch or anything like that, but men can just relax and follow their intuition when relating to women. Uh, That's so interesting that you, that you say, especially in the start of dating, I always think of it like we're kind of sending our best representatives. Like we're sending the HR department on like those first few dates and it's like, who is really there. And so I love that you're saying to just focus on relaxing into that. And in light of that, what else would be supportive for a man? Let's say that he's going out on a first date or he's been just started to explore dating someone. What else is like the best way to be supportive to actually build that connection and have that presence and that confidence together? Mm -hmm. I always recommend, um, for anybody, you know, man, woman, whatever, but, you know, we're talking about men primarily here right now before going into a situation like a date, especially a first date, center yourself as cliche as that sounds. If you literally just take a few minutes, you know, maybe it's like you've arrived at the coffee shop or the bar, the lounge early, just go to the bathroom, take a few minutes to breathe. Or maybe before you leave your house, you know, here I am, I'm present, I'm feeling my feet, I'm in my body, I'm nervous, I don't know what to expect. Is she going to like me? Is she not? I don't know. Ground yourself in your body. That's the best thing to do at first. And then the second thing I would say, which probably should go as number one, is when you're planning this date, have it be something physical in a fun environment, something that's going to get you into your bodies. I mean, very simple examples are like go on a hike or go to an escape room or go to a, um, they're big in San Francisco. I don't know if they're big everywhere, but just kind of fun, cool activities where you're going to be engaging with your body and something sensual, visual, not necessarily sexual. There's just so much pressure 
to make an impression. And if you are in an environment that's going to be, you know, I remember Erwan for one of our first dates, he took me to this, um, sushi place that is called Glowfish Sushi here in San Francisco. And it was like happy hour. So it was really casual. It wasn't some long sit down dinner. And this place had red velvet walls, had Japanese anime playing on screens at like the perfect volume was not loud, cool beats at the same time in the background. And then these sushi rolls that were like avocado with strawberry on top or these interesting things that just being there was was cool and put us in our bodies. I am so happy that you shared that as guidance for dates. I always find that like personally having like that sit down experience can be kind of overwhelming and a little challenging to generate connection and conversation more easily. And I was reading a while ago that men actually are more open to connection if they're not seated across from you, like face to face, but if they're seated side by side. So Mm. a lot of the times I find like going on a walk or going on a hike, as you mentioned, or doing something active where you aren't face to face, but you're more side to side, it makes it more comfortable to engage and actually have deeper conversations and feel more comfortable expressing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's making me think what what you're saying. It makes me think of this um, professor that Erwan shares about having had at UC Santa Cruz where he went for college. And he took this class called Psychology of Love. I mean, who would not want to take that class, right? I mean, I'd be all over it. That's the great thing about studying psychology. In both my bachelor's and my master's program in psychology, it was like these incredibly interesting topics and it all somehow relates to oneself. You know, all the papers we wrote were about us and our process around whatever psychological theory we were learning. But this professor said people fall in love when they're crossing a treacherous bridge way more easily than when they're sitting over dinner facing each other. And it's like a hack almost. I mean, you can get really nervous as a man. I mean, women, we get nervous too, but taking a woman out for the first time, oh, I want to make a good impression. Just do something to get yourselves in your bodies. And that handles like half of it. Yeah. That's such a beautiful way of phrasing that. And it's like, there's also so much more to engage with, like in terms of the environment or what you're coming upon, if you're out in the world or if you're doing an activity. So I really, really love that. You know, you have led so many women's groups, and I know so much of your work is really focused on women's sexual expression. So I know you kind of already mentioned like doing that TikTok series on what women want. What would you say in this space of sexual expression that women really want that would be helpful for for perhaps men to to have a little peek into knowing better? So we really love, women really love being... Um, attuned to. We love attention. There's something very biological about most or many men's and kind of the masculine or the the orientation of like, let's get from A to B goal orientation. I'm not making that wrong. I think that it's the way biologically that the male brain works. And then there's also a lot about the arousal patterns of men versus women that, that, and then the culture and porn and, you know, there's just so much conditioning and stimuli that 
leads men to think, okay, I just got to, got to get there, you know, from A to B, like let's end up in bed or let's end up having intercourse. And I'm not faulting men for that. You know, men get a lot of like, just flack for that and being made wrong. And I just think that's not necessary to do. It's like how the male brain works and also arousal patterns. Women tend to be more focused on the experience, like the sensual experience and the ebbs and the flows and that pleasure doesn't just come from intercourse. You know, there's enjoying the moment and the, I don't call it for, I'll say foreplay because it's what people kind of understand as not intercourse, but other things. I just don't like to call it foreplay because it feels like oh, that's before the real thing, which I think other sex acts or sensual engagement is the real thing too. But what most people know is foreplay. All of that, there's pleasure in that. And women's arousal patterns are more not A to B, but A to Z to P to Q to K and round and circular and undulating and, you know, (laughs) and so... The more a man can learn how to have his attention off of himself, his head, his concerns, his goal orientation, and more on her. And like, ooh, does she want more now? Do I back off? Is she turning on as I'm doing more of this? Is she cooling off? Does she want to break? We as women can communicate these things, of course, but... A man that can really tune in, like whether it's, does she want a lighter stroke on this, in this moment, or, you know, is she kind of winding down from the sex act? Maybe we end and take a break, or is she, you know, wanting to go home with me, or is she wanting to park for the night? Or, you know, there's many moments and dates and interactions that you can really feel a woman and go towards or move away. That's my long answer to what really works with women is, is, is attention and responsiveness. Yeah. I, I always find it so fascinating how not opposite, but I'm like, how is mother nature created it so that men can be aroused and ready so quickly? And it takes women such a longer period of time. I'm like, why, why, why? Um, but I love how you're explaining this of tuning into just really exploring what's actually happening to a woman when you're together and like putting that attention on her. And I guess like for any women that are listening or like, what can women do to more addict, like more successfully meet men where they're at? Yeah. Yeah. So to the first thing you said about like, God, why is it like this? You know, I mean, there's, it's interesting because in life, you know, it's such a, an asset that men tend to, or the masculine person tends to have that, you know, quicker arousal pattern, or let's get from A to B. It's in life, very useful in terms of, you know, having a goal and finishing meeting that goal, like straight, you know, I mean, whenever Erwin and I are, you know, we're married and we've been together for 20 years and we deal with you know, whatever house projects or this and that and financial stuff. He's really good at being like, okay, here's the goal. Let's get from A to B. Let's do this. And I really appreciate that. Um, but then when it comes to sex and sensuality, it's really time for, 
for the masculine or the man to um, switch into a different mode. And that's a learning, I think, of um, the man can learn how to relate on a different level. Um, There's a whole kind of elemental level of life and existence that when we step out of that um, production-oriented culture and work and productivity, there's a lot of enjoyment too. So what women can do, first of all, this is such a big thing, is choose to, I'm trying to think of how to say this, it's not a negative. I mean, what I really want to say is like not make men wrong for how they are. (laughs) I mean, men have been conditioned just like we've been conditioned to believe things, um, act in certain ways. And while not, we shouldn't condone certain behaviors, right? Like unconscious, being unconscious or being too um, aggressive or whatever it is. If we can really realize that we can be on the same team and communicate with men and approve of them and tell them what we want and need directly and with love, like they, they want to do anything for us. Like men really want to make us happy. And so believing that, and it's not like every man's going to do that perfectly or, you know, some men are unavailable for that for whatever reason, either psychologically or otherwise, but we just kind of get off the like men versus women thing and start to tune into what we want. There's a lot of good that can come from that. Yes. So much. I'm like, keep going, keep going. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep I, going. <laughs> yeah, no, I just really love what you're sharing. I completely agree with that. No one is neither right or wrong. We're different in learning how to enjoy that along the way. And it's when you were speaking a moment ago, it really kind of reminded me of that perhaps maybe for men, like being able to look at you know, their sex with their partner or central experiences as like an opportunity to really try something different or to really get out of that having to go, go, go mindset and just like enjoying being with a woman. You've been mentioning like communicating about sex and how women we can like speak directly because this is such a big thing. And I so often find in working with people or just even in conversations with friends, like the communicating about sex can be really challenging, especially when it's happening. I think there's like two different ways to communicate it. It's like when you're not having sex and then when you're having sex, communicating about what's going on. So what do you do to support people, I guess, kind of from both communication points? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of, um, some of the same principles, whether you're in the sex act or you're not in the sex act. So the principles are, first of all, being loving and approving. Sex is such a charged, sensitive topic. I mean, people get the most messed up about it. Um, A lot of people have had very heavy conditioning around sex and sexuality, either through religious upbringing or how their parents were about it or the culture that they grew up in, um, media, adverse sexual experiences, which unfortunately are so common. You know, people are like really messed up about sex. Not everybody, but a lot of people are. So just to kind of hold that is like, this is a tender area and it's also so potentially pleasurable. So there's a lot of draw 
to it. So it's like very exciting and very highly charged in that way as well. So bringing love and approval and appreciation to the mix, whether you're talking about it ahead of time or after the fact or during is the most important thing. And we can get really, you know, kind of critical about ourselves or our partner and um, approach the conversations in a disapproving way. If we even bring it up at all, <laughs> um, people avoid it a lot, you know? So, I mean, like bringing something up in a critical way is like way better than not talking about it at all. So that's good. But, <laughs> you know, if there's something you'd like to change, like let's say I'll give some example, right? Like maybe there's a couple, however long they've been together, not, you know, and like they have, they make out, they have sex, and often the guy ejaculates, and then the woman hasn't had an orgasm, and she, like, doesn't know if he knows that, or there's, like, stress around it, and she takes longer, and the guy doesn't want to finish too fast. You know, it, all these things happen to so many of us, mm -hmm. and it can start to create tension. So whoever brings it up, you know, can just say, got it. I love our love making, or I love our sex, or I, I love like I just love our chemistry together. And say something that you really like first, and then say something. And this is easier said than done. Like oh, I notice we're having a little bit of like something, you know, where like you finish first, and then I'm sort of left a little like I don't know what to do. And I don't know, like I, I would love to change that. You know, what are your thoughts? Here's my ideas. So you've created an environment of safety um, to talk about it. And hopefully the partner will respond in the same way and be open. And um, so you kind of have to decide that you're going to have the conversation be direct, but really loving. What I would add in for in the moment is mm -hmm. really slowing down. People tend to engage sexually and sensually like fast. Um, mm -hmm. Most people want it to go slower, but don't really know how to say that. Um, so just in general for pleasure, you know, stroking more slowly, thrusting more slowly, feeling, talking, oh, it feels good. And then if there's something that you want to change, you say something simple, you know, would you slow down a little bit? And then when the person slows down, even if it's not as slow as you wanted it, like, oh, awesome. You know, that's even better. Um, oh yeah, just a little slower still. And that's great. You know, it's just, you can hear in my voice, it's like a positive vibe. And mm -hmm. what makes that hard is lack of practice, but also all the stuff that goes on in our head that makes it so it's so awkward and all of that. And that's, you know, that's why the work that Erwan and I do very much incorporates psychological inquiry and openness and being present because, you know, that you could have all the skills in the world, but if you can't kind of be there in the moment to say them, they don't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost, it's sounding like in the request, it's like coming from more a place of desire as opposed to dislike. So like if something's happening too hard to whatever it is, 
to like share what you want as opposed to like, oh, I don't like it when you're, that you're doing this right now. Is that kind of what I'm, that's what I'm hearing. It's totally, you're right on. And again, easier said than done, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) just there's so like, even if there's something that hurts, I'm not saying you should you know, tolerate pain or, you know, anything like that. I mean, some people like that, you know, in terms of it being a kink or something, which is great, you know, but it's, it's like, even if something is like a little too hard or a little like, oh, your, your arm is uncomfortable, you know, there's no need to be like, oh God, or, you, you know, you don't, it's like, this is such a tender place. We, we do have the capacity to be like, oh, you know, this is great. And, you know, oh, like my arm's hurting a little, let me shift or it, it's like really taking into account the other person's experience without compromising yourself and what you want. And it's, I'm not saying be tentative or coddle the person. I mean, you could say it so perfectly and the person's still going to get triggered that you're asking them even to change something because of their insecurities. Like there's no guarantees here, but you could, it's just taking care, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Gosh, I'm wondering um, in terms of communicating and understanding desires, like knowing that so often men just are really wanting to please their who they're with. And so, you know, in in experiences or just like with speaking with other people about this, of like, let's say that a man is with someone and doesn't know what she wants, and she doesn't know what she wants, nor or like isn't able to actually express what she wants. What in that moment? Cause that's, you know, her responsibility in so many ways. And also what can the man do to like navigate that kind of dynamic? Cause that seems like something that comes up a lot where he's like, I don't know what to do. She doesn't tell me and I feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very, very common, right? Cause this is the things we've said so far are kind of assuming the woman knows exactly what she wants and can say it, you know, really easily, which is their both skills that you can build. You know, I mean, when women come to work with us, either as a part of a couple or individually, that's often one of the big goals. Like I want to know what I even want, you know, sexually and sensually. I want to know how to ask for that and feel okay asking for that and all of that. So I'm not, we shouldn't ignore that challenge. Um, but there's a lot men can do, you know, um, to realize that women are in a seat. <sighs> Women's sexuality is generally very complex. And I'm not saying men's is not, but there's a particular kind of complexity where most women to some degree feel kind of split between our sexual selves, you know, we're turned on, we're ravenous. We want pleasure. Like we want to feel good. We want orgasms. We want whatever positions, you know, we're really in touch with that. And then there's a part of ourselves where we're like, that's bad, you know, or like there's something wrong with me or I shouldn't feel this way because of my conditioning or like, it's not safe or whatever. We have a non-sexual self and a sexual self. And that's challenging, right? I mean, the goal of course would be to integrate and heal that split, which, you know, is what we do and how we help people. So for men to realize like, this is a complex 
area for women. And again, it doesn't mean that men need to coddle anybody or not be bold or something. I mean, we, part of what we want is strength and confidence and boldness. So if you understand that as a guy, like, wow, she probably has a lot going on, you know, um, then you can ask questions in a way that make it very easy for the woman to respond. Like, let's say you're, you know, making out or something, or you're touching her and you're not sure if it feels good. And you don't want to ask, like, does this feel good? Because if it doesn't, then the woman's going to go into her head and be like, how do I answer this? I don't know. And, you know, and then everything's just kind of in the head. But he can say something like, you know, would you like it lighter, you know, or would you like to change positions or and then adding in like, oh, my God, you know, you are gorgeous. This is this is this is great. Oh, wow. I love feeling your body. And, you know, would you like it lighter? You know, should I flip you over? But I mean, it's a very simple yes or no question about would she like a change? And so then it invites her to respond. So that's like an in the moment strategy tip. Outside of the bedroom, it's gentlemanly to bring it up kind of in a similar way we were talking about. Like, oh, I just love, like, I love, I love our our sex or I love our chemistry. I love our connection. Sometimes I feel like I don't know what you want. I don't know, you know, if you're enjoying it and I don't know if it's hard to say that or, you know, how's it going? You know, so kind of bringing it up as an open topic is mm-hmm. is a good thing because even if the woman feels awkward or doesn't quite give a straight answer yet, she'll register that you actually care and you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, they love that. Yeah, and then just by taking that step to ask helps create that sense of trust for her to open up more to you. Mm-hmm. That's really, really supportive. Yeah. And I love the the phrasing of how to ask the questions when you're in the experience, because I totally understand what you're saying about if you're saying, do you like this? And then maybe if she doesn't, like, it's going to be really hard for be like, no, I don't like this. <laughs> like no one wants to do that to someone that they're, that they're intimate with. So that's really helpful. Uh, for how to navigate that. And one of the areas that I did want to talk to you about specifically was Tantra and tantric sex. And so many people hear that word and they think like a million different things or they're like, oh, it's just like bizarre sex positions or whatever have you. And I'm curious from your experience, like how do you define Tantra or tantric sex? Mm -hmm. I love this question. Yeah. Tantra is a big part of our work and our teaching. And it's not all of it, you know, it's not everybody that comes to work with us, like has Tantra in mind, you know, people that come work with us want better relationship lives and sex lives, you know, just whatever that means to you. Right. But Tantra, you're right. It's mysterious. You know, some people hear Tantra and they think India (laughs) or some people hear Tantra and they're like, oh, these like twisted up yoga sex positions or it's only sex or whatever. And I, and we really like to see Tantra as bringing together the spiritual aspect of ourselves, our presence, our being like that pure, beautiful 
being that we really all are. And bringing that awareness together with the sex center, the the vital center of our being, you know, where turn on happens and pleasure and sexuality and sensuality and bringing those two together, you know, sometimes in spiritual traditions, it's like, okay, no sex, you know, you have to be clean and pure. That means no sex. Um, Sometimes there's environments where sex is kind of engaged in without presence, you know, which is obviously a bad thing. You know, in my book, you want to have presence and connection if you're going to engage sexually with someone. So Tantra is really the practice of bringing together both presence and sensual connection. And the way that we approach that in terms of training people in that is through different touch practices that range from non-sexual, you know, really nurturing, like one person has their hand on the other person's heart and abdomen and you're breathing and, you know, maybe you synchronize your breath or, you know, these beautiful practices all the way to clitoral stroking and the heart and the wet and the sexy and the arousal and all of that stuff. I'll stop there to see what questions you have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I love this. And over the past couple of years, a lot of my personal exploration and professionally, I've been working in a tantric space and I just absolutely love it. And one of the things about Tantra that I also think is maybe like a misconception that I love to chat with you about is that you have to be partnered in order to explore it or experience it. And, you know, for me, a lot of my practices and exploration has been by myself. And so just like for anyone, like, let's say a man's listening, he's like, I'd really love to explore this more, but is not in a relationship right now, or just anyone that's say single, how would you recommend they get started in stepping into this exploration? Yeah. So there's a few ways that we support individuals in starting to explore Tantra. We're here in San Francisco and we teach online classes and in-person classes around Tantra and and all the other aspects of having a successful relationship life. When we teach our in-person Tantra classes, for example, like the other night we were at this place, the center in San Francisco, where we teach monthly and the room's like packed you know, 60 people, mixture of singles and couples. And every exercise in that class can be done individually, or it can be done partnered. So people always have a choice. They either come with a partner or they come alone, but hope to kind of connect with somebody there to do the exercises with, which many people do, or they literally can do them on their, like put their hands on their own bodies. And that's a good thing. You you can't, fully connect with someone else, unless you can really connect with yourself. You know, we have sensuality exercises that we assign to people in the pleasure course and in mastery of relationship. These two of our classes that we teach online that are need to be done individually that include presence and starting to feel the body and then self-pleasure so that you can learn your own body's rhythms. And, you know, men often like to experiment with, you know, 
ejaculation and delayed ejaculation and how to do that. You know, it's kind of fun playing with that energy Mm -hmm. and noticing how to slow down and extend pleasure in your own body. And, you know, in our, in our classes, people aren't practicing that together. These are more solo that you would practice at home, but there's a lot that you can do as a man to hone that energy. And it's a, I recommend that because it's only going to help you when you then connect with someone else. Yeah. I've found that through doing practices kind of like similar to what you're describing, that you really start to understand your body and yourself so much more. So that way when you're with someone else, it's so much easier to not only communicate, but also just like engage with them more presently. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I'm like, I wish I lived in San Francisco so I could come to your life classes. Oh, where do you live? I'm in San Diego, so not too far. You're Napa, so close, but... girl. You're going to come visit. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, I feel like I'm on this like communication kick today for some reason with you, but let's say that someone is wanting more. I think it's so common for people to like crave more from sex or as they're kind of getting connected with someone, you kind of get into a rhythm, which is great, but it's also removing some of the exploration and excitation away from sex. And, you know, if someone's wanting to maybe explore Tantra or just invite in some different kind of aspect of sex, whether it's like BDSM or kink or just whatever it may be, how do you recommend that they bring that to their partner? And I guess like my second part of that question is like, what if, because I think this is also common that people aren't always on the same page. So how do you handle that if someone is not wanting to go there or just is in a different place or desiring something very different from you sexually? Mm. Huge question. Huge. And especially these days, um, in certainly the San Francisco Bay area, but probably, you know, sounds like the, whatever communities you're around where you live and, you know, it's becoming more common to explore sexually, whether that means incorporating tantric practice or BDSM or open relationships or polyamory or whatever, like there's, it's great. You know, people's minds are opening to new ways. Um, I feel like this could be a whole episode just on that. There's so much to say, um, <laughs> but I'll totally answer your question, which is that's that's normal. I mean, a lot of times when couples come to work with us, it's because it's some version of, you know, things are good, but they're like not as hot as they used to be, or like one of us is a little bored or, you know, it's just not like juicy the way that we would like it to be, or one partner would like it to be. That's a normal place to end up. You know, I mean, the default is things are more exciting in the beginning and then things kind of plateau, even if the relationship itself is getting stronger or is strong. Um, And that's just, you know, we get distracted with other things and we start to focus on, you know, okay, I've got this person. Good. That's, that's it, you know, and I'm going to, focus on work or we have a kid or we buy a house or we have our jobs or whatever, these great things to do in relationship. But the chemistry is the decreases and the investment in the romantic and sexual side of things goes on the back burner or people just don't know 
that you can like invest in that and learn and improve just like you can with your health and exercise or something. So it's really normal. And it's often a thing where one partner starts to feel that, or maybe they just get exposed to something that's different and new and they're interested. So back to one of the main principles, approval and love and appreciation is like the name of the game when you bring something up to your partner, because it's really, it's almost, it's almost guaranteed. I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, but the partner who's who it's being brought up to might feel like their partner is saying something's wrong or something's missing. You know, if you're saying, Hey, I want to do this new thing in our sex life. So again, not coddle, but handle with care, you know, like, wow, babe. And like, Oh my God, we've been together for whatever these months or these years. And there's so much I love. And these are things I love. And, you know, I just read this article about this cool tantric practice or, you know, my friend took this workshop or I was just, you know, kind of feeling like it'd be fun to juice things up a little more, you know, and this is what I think. And what do you think? So that's the vibe. Like that's how to bring it up. Yeah. And then, and then you just sort of have to roll from there. You know, I mean, your partner could be like, Oh yeah, I've been noticing that too. And cool. Let me take a look at the website. Or they might be like, nothing's wrong. Or why are you saying I'm doing something wrong? And then, you know, a big fight happens or maybe they're like, nah, not really into anything that's not vanilla or then from there, it's just communication and the person who's bringing it up kind of needs to look and see what, what is a non-negotiable, you know, what, you know, a lot of relationship partners might say, oh yeah, you know, like things aren't shaking between us and let's try this polyamory thing, which is like a mistake a lot of the time when it's to fix something. Um, Mm -hmm. But the other partner might be like, no, never, like, absolutely not. I am not open to that. And then the person bringing it up just has to look and see is that something they're willing to part with (laughs) or are there ways to address the underlying issue that may not have to require some other thing to make things exciting. It's good to want to juice things up. I'm not saying it's wrong, um, but you kind of have to work together on the solution for that. So there's a lot I just said, you know, and I'll kind of end this part by saying (laughs) that, it's a really great quality to have in yourself and in, in your partner um, to be someone that's open to growing and developing in your relationship. And that does not mean you have to do some wild thing you don't want to do. That's fine. But just having an attitude of openness is a smart way to approach your relationship. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love, love that so much. Yeah. I need to share. I feel like we could have 17 podcast episodes more about all of the, the things yes. you just started touching on. That ending is no, is so, so true. I would love to hear if there's anything that you're like, I really want to share this. Um, I do know that you have so much going on via in your live classes in San Francisco and online. So if you have anything upcoming that you are just like, everyone needs to come to this, which I feel like they do let us know what that is. 
Yeah. Thank you. That's great. Um, so yeah, my, my husband, Erwan and I, we work with both singles and couples in all stages of relationship. And we're based in the San Francisco Bay area and have a lot of in-person opportunities, whether it's Tantra classes and other things. Um, but well, and then our main class that we teach is called Mastery of Relationship, which is a ongoing weekly class for singles and couples. It's online. It rocks like you're with 30 or 40 other amazing people, singles and couples exploring all these different topics every week. Um, but the main thing I wanted to focus on is a weekend online class that we have coming up mid-November called the pleasure course. And it's a really great deep dive immersive experience for five and a half hours each day on zoom into what creates a successful romantic relationship life and sex life. So, you know, we go into Mm -hmm. how to handle the psychological patterns and issues and conditioning that we bring into relationship, how to free yourself from that, how to have chemistry between the masculine and the feminine and, you know, skills and techniques for that. And we have a huge portion of the course that's about sex, Tantra, orgasm and extended orgasm. And we actually show a video demonstration of the clitoral stroking technique that we train people in. So it's like a full range and it's really special and can be done from anywhere. So I actually want to offer your listeners the first five people that contact me, we would gift you a spot, like a free spot for the first five people in this weekend course. And then after that, anybody who wants to sign up for it, once those spots are gone, we have a hundred dollar off code that you can use on Eventbrite. I just want to make this accessible. I mean, I'm sure your listeners are amazing from the way that you are and the questions you're asking. So I want to make that course accessible um, to folks. So um, yeah, the best way to contact us is really by texting. There's a number 415-308-9580. That's 415-308-9580. Just say your name, say you're from this podcast, you want a spot in the pleasure course, and then uh, We'll go from there. I'll also give you a link for the show notes. People can click instead if that's easier. Perfect. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for gifting that to everyone that's listening. I'm like, everyone, please hurry before the spots are gone. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It sounds like an incredible experience. And I know I didn't even get into asking you questions about the extended orgasm Mm. technique and practice because I know that's such a big piece of the work that you've been doing with your husband. Um, So I'm like, everyone check that out on your own. This is incredible. Thank you so much for being here. It's been amazing to connect and to talk with you. And I hope that everyone's going to go out now and have just incredible conversations about sex. Mm, Thanks, Kirsten. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Naked Connection. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Trust me on this, your sex life and that special someone in your life will thank you for it. And if you really love the show, please take a moment and leave a five-star review or a written review 
and let me know what you think. It would mean so much to me and this show. Until next time, happy connecting.